with Mitch Trubisky, I can at least walk through and be like, at least we went for the guy that we wanted. That's fine. Mitch is a quarterback that we never wanted. You know, you saw... You guys, before the show, a lot of people like this one as well. That's the one! That's the one! <laughs> Same this guy... Is John, you my man! You my man! I love this one! This one's a keeper. I don't care about anybody else. I can remove my team. That's a keeper. Go ahead, go. <laughs> if he brought, if, Mitch, if my sister brought him home, I'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but he but seems like, so sweet at the same oh, time. Oh, he does. With his glasses, with his glasses, I get yeah. it. Also, voices from everywhere. And I always talk about this uh, for the fan, by the fans, for the fans. You know what I'm saying? And so you guys have a unique way of being able to do what you guys do. And I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much because I see you. If I see you, that means you guys are out there, and that's always good. Me on, as long as you're not going to be a Green Bay Packer, I have to put that out there. I have to put that out there. <laughs> no, anywhere else, hey, as long as hey. you don't go to Green Bay, we're okay. I know, I know, right? Now, I appreciate you guys having me support, man. Honestly, like, I think... We're on this. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to remain professional and compose yourself here, for God's sake. <laughs> we... This uh, this whole show is getting deleted, guys. Just so you, you know, know, it's not. It's, n- it's never <laughs> going to be on. Bears, Bears show. Look, Tony. We all. I always start off some of these episodes and say, "This will definitely be a professional show." <laughs> this is one that could be fucking carnage. So it is. It is great. I love it. The fans. The fan zone show is back. We did a couple of these last year as we were getting up around the draft, after the draft. This is basically a show where we're going to have a bunch of fans on, talk about some topics about the Bears. I put this tweet out maybe, what is it, maybe a week and a half ago, and I think we got like 50 responses from people. So these were the first couple of guys that got back to us. So like you said, we will be reaching out to some people that did kind of message us, because I know there's probably some being like, oh, they didn't message. But look, these are just the lucky few at the start. I'll go through all the different names now. We have Marcus, we have Chris, we have Matt, we have Mike, we have Mark, we have Curtis. We have a lot of M's in this chat right now. Usually there's a lot of T's in this chat. Tony, first of all, I'm going to start with you. You're wearing your Celtic jersey, I think. How are you doing? I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm doing I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm loving the fact that we've got the fan zone back again. These are some of the best shows. It's great to get a debate. It's great to get loads of different opinions on all things Bears. And let's start arguing with each other. It's great entertainment as well. So let's keep that in mind. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that's what I like. I like when everybody's just not all agreeing all the time. Before we do, kind of, I do introduce each one of you and let you guys kind of talk a little bit about yourself. Kind of, I guess you can give a little background to yourselves. I do want to say it's been... Uh, a tough day today in terms of the NFL. Again, everybody knows the news about Dwayne Haskins. I don't know about other people. I'm kind of, I started being kind of an Ohio State fan a couple of years ago, and he was one of the kind of first guys that I saw. And getting to, I guess, see some of those memories back today, watching some of those games back, you see all of his teammates, you see the guys within the league. So we just want to say that, like, our deepest condolences to his family, to anybody that knew him, and also to Ohio State Buckeye fans as well who are probably dealing with it today because, again, if you went to that school, you probably know a lot of the guys there. So that's one of the things we want to say. So first of all, Marcus, I'm going to bring you in first. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So um, 
You know, originally, ironically enough, as a diehard Chicago Bears fan, I was born and raised in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, catches quite a few people off guard there. Uh, my father's from Chicago, so raised me, as I like to say, he raised me correctly to be a Bears fan. Uh, although, you know, it's been a lot harder, I'm sure, than if I had been a Packers fan all along. But uh, currently living in Charleston, South Carolina uh, with my family. And um, so I'm excited to be a part of this. I've watched you guys and uh, kind of participated on Twitter quite a bit. And um, I follow the Bears all year round, including off season and in depth as much as I can. So, yeah, once again, pretty excited to be here. Absolutely. Next one up is Chris. Uh, I want to bring you in. I know. Both your both yourself and Mark do a podcast together over on the Barely Educated. How are you doing today, Chris? Yeah, doing well. Uh, really glad to be here and uh, always looking forward to talk about our beloved Bears. So thanks for having me. Uh, I grew up in the uh, west suburbs of Chicago and um, uh, grew up a Bears fan. I was eight in '85, so that you know planted the uh, the roots strong in me for being a Bears fan. And uh, you know it's been tough ever since but uh it's uh something about this team it just gets in your your blood and in your your feelings like none of the other teams in the in chicago did for me so uh yeah i'm looking forward to it and i met mark we taught at the same school for a few years and found out we were both bears fans and now that we're at different places we uh decided hey let's keep talking about bears together now that uh the technology makes that possible so uh so we've been doing that and uh yeah just glad to be here and talk with you guys thanks for having me yeah absolutely i guess the best way to go to go into it from here is i'll bring mark from from the same show so mark how are you doing give us a little bit of a background that maybe chris hasn't told us already oh you're on mute Oh, uh, let's, I can not coming hear. through, Mark. Yeah, we cannot hear you. So what we'll do is we'll go to Matt next because technical issues with a show like this will happen. Matt, give us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, happy, uh, happy to be on with you guys. Um, lifelong Bears fan, you know, so grew up watching Walter Payton in his early years and was old, you know, my early teens when uh, they won the Super Bowl. So I look at this crowd, I'm guessing – Chris and maybe uh, Mark or maybe the only other people in the group to uh, have experienced that. But um, you guys do a great job. Your, your show last week, you guys get great guests. You have good good commentary yourself. So happy to join. Um, excited with the new with the new regime and to see what we can do. You know, starting with uh, this draft and season ticket holder. So we'll be out there in the fall. Absolutely. From one M to another, Mike. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. I've been following you guys show for the want to say past year since i got into like the whole listen to podcast and stuff like that i found you guys and uh i've been a bears fan for probably about want to say eight years but i really like followed the team for the last five years as far as like deep diving and studying the team for as far as that and so yeah i finally decided to start my own uh content channel and yeah I'm from Chicago. I'm still in Chicago. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, Mark, we're going to try again. <laughs> Let's see if we can hear you. Do you want to tell us a little All right. There we no. go. Go, <laughs> go He's here. You know, big fancy mic, not working. Little generic headphone. It's happy. So whatever. Uh, yeah, so like um, Chris said, we're, of course, grateful to be here. This is a great idea you guys have. 
And it's uh, it's just funny for us being two Bears fans who were in proximity together and now in Kansas and Louisiana that we could still keep doing this. And now we're doing this with people in Ireland. So what a time to be alive, right? I know. So like pretty much everybody, I guess, I grew up a Bears fan. In uh, For me, I was in central Illinois, and I was five for the 85 Super Bowl. So all I really remember is the shuffle. And so I'm, I'm bitter about that. We need to change that to a real Super Bowl that I can remember. And uh, but yeah, like Chris said, it just gets in the uh, in the blood. And I often joke that I have a toxic relationship with the Bears, but I can't seem to do much about it. And uh, I just I just love talking football and analyzing sports in general. Yeah, absolutely. We go to our last guest of the show. I was like kind of talking to Curtis on Twitter. He always has a lot of passionate takes. It's great to have him on the show. Curtis, yes, how are you doing? Yes, sir. I'm doing good, man. It feels good to be on the show. Uh, I've been following you guys for, you know, a while. I always like to talk bear stuff and I'll leave my remarks and stuff under the comments. And Twitter's Twitter's a great place for Bears fans sometimes if you're on the right spot. But um, yeah, I'm just glad to be here and talk some Bears football. Yeah, absolutely. Like we said, we like to fight the good fight here, especially when it goes onto Twitter, because it can be a bit crazy. But look, the reason why I wanted to get each person to kind of talk a little about themselves is, Tony, we always say these shows, they're kind of to allow different voices from different parts of the world, different backgrounds. I think that's really, really important because for so long, it's kind of one of the reasons we did the show as well. For so long, all the voices that we got to hear and whether it be the media is all the same. So what we want to do is try and give everybody kind of that chance to be able to talk about their favorite football team. And that's why we came up with this idea. We kind of started it a little bit last year with, I guess, people from different podcasts, different blogs to get their different opinions. But this year, as the show has grown, we decided why why not get the guys that listen to the show all the time, get the guys that really want to talk about their team that maybe not get the complete opportunity to do that. So, like I said, anybody listening to the show, if you want to be put on, I have a big, massive Excel file with everybody's name on it. So if you want to be added to that file and be one of these guys, maybe in one of the future shows, make sure that you do kind of send us a DM over on Twitter and we will add you to that list because it is growing every single day. Um, but yeah, look, I think that's that's the that's the main thing that we wanted to talk about at the start here. From that, we will start with our Bears topics. Now, the first topic I wanted to bring up and Tony, I don't usually ask you straight away, so I'm actually going to ask you here, one of my normal hosts. We've spoken about this a little bit. I'll let you kind of pick who gets to go first on this. But it's obviously been one of the main topics of the offseason. It all comes around free agency. We've seen a couple of signings this week as well. We've seen some visits this week. But it all comes back to, and this should show up in just a second, Ryan Poles' free agency strategy. So we've spoken a little bit about this. What do you think overall? We're we're what three weeks out from the draft now. Three, yeah, three weeks from the draft, and you've seen some signings coming in. There wasn't that big surge where people expected. A lot of kind of tackles or wide receivers, tight ends, all that to come in. We didn't really see that. We saw polls have a more measured approach. So I guess three weeks after the draft, how are you feeling in relation to everything that's gone on since I guess the signing process began? Well, I, I think for me personally, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about the whole situation because, and but what I'll, what I'll say is I'll, I'll premise it by saying I understand why some Bears fans are frustrated, and the problem is is we are so conditioned at the moment 
to experiencing big free agent signings coming in, spending money on guys that are 31, 32 years old, all this kind of stuff. And where is it getting us? Nowhere. Okay. So we're coming in with a fresh approach. Ryan Poles is coming from a, a winning organization, from an organization who have proven that they know how to get to Super Bowls, how to win Super Bowls. Um, and they've got a proven draft success. Um, and even if you if you look at the free agency acquisitions, talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, they don't go after big name signings unless it's something to get them over the line. You know, one or two guys, if you're in that situation, if you want to build a team, you want to have a long sustained success, don't go out there and spend a shit ton of money on guys who are free agents for a reason, you know? You want to go out there, you want to build your team via the draft. Um, so for me, it's been refreshing. Um, it's uh, It's been great to see Poles take a punt on uh, some younger guys who maybe didn't get a chance elsewhere, some younger guys who've got a wee bit of a, a chip on their shoulder. Um, and for me, um, he's, just, he's just doing the right things at the minute. Obviously, you know, it's too early to really say anything about what he's doing in terms of what we're going to get as a result. Um, you know, that'll come at the end of the season. Um, but certainly from what I've seen so far, it's positive. It's going in a different direction. Um, and it's setting things up well for the draft. This is going to be a long-term thing. This is not a 2022 thing. This isn't even just a 2023 thing. This is a very, very long-term thing. He's want to build sustained success. And this is how you do it, by bringing the right types of guys in and building with the draft on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Tony, I'm gonna let you pick the fir the first person to bring in here. I usually do always do this when I'm kind of talking to different guests and all that. I think we one of the guys dropped off for a second, so I think we have Marcus coming back. But I'll let you kind of decide who you want to pose this first question to. Yeah, so I'll tell you what, we'll go we'll go straight to Mike then, since he's he's just to my my left here or your right. I don't know what it is. So Mike. <laughs> Give me your breakdown of Ryan Poles and the free agency strategy over the last two, three weeks. Uh, I mean, I like it. I feel like uh, we used to – it's something different. We used to just going all in, throwing money at free agents, so we're not really used to seeing something like this, just like the wait and see, the the buy low, and just hope we can we can nail a diamond in the rough, like I, I call it, like – so I, like it's refreshing. So we haven't really seen this in a while, and it's good to see him go this way and not to throw a boatload of money at guys who at the back end sort of their career. I mean, it's like this is a young squad. Uh, we should go young and to grow. Like the last team to, to do this was probably like the Chiefs, and you've seen how it, it did good for them. So I'm all in for it. Yeah, I, I guess one of the questions I have for you, Mike is what were your expectations prior to free agency? Because I think this is probably one of the reasons why there's so much outrage when you see kind of, I guess, if you go hashtag Bears Twitter, you just see it all there. Um, yeah. I think that's the main thing. I think people had different expectations versus what the reality was going to be. Uh, I didn't have a, a clear expectation until the Khalil Mack trade. The Khalil Mack trade let me know that it's, it's not a – a complete teardown, but they going in a different direction. They're not trying to win now. They're trying to uh, basically clean up the, the previous regime mess and build the team the way they see it. And Khalil Mack is on the back end of 30, so it was time. 
you know, it was hate. To, it's, it's I hate to see him go, but it was time for him to uh, go elsewhere and trying to get draft capitals and bring those young guys in to understand the new uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like we didn't really have uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a culture. So they yeah. the, the new regime want their own culture. So they, and they it's time to uh, let some guys go. So yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think you're you're spot on with that analysis, Mike. Um, one of the other things that came up early in the uh, in the kind of process was the the signing of of Larry uh, Ogan Joby. Um, Mark, I wanted to ask you um, in terms of you know that whole situation. You know, we signed signed them up, and then turns out after we get to the the medical, there's issues there. So polls was criticised. Mostly by the the kind of big media guys, as opposed to the fans, and certainly from what I've seen anyway. But I wanted to get your kind of take on that. Was that a, a you know you know could happen to anybody situation, or was it a rookie GM scenario, or what are your overall thoughts on the Ogan Joby signing? Yeah, it's it was a strange story. I thought because I mean we all knew he just had been injured in the playoffs, and so I wondered what was the agent and what was the player communicating the polls. Uh, so without knowing that conversation, you can't say, oh, he was duped, but I think he's wise to say, okay, I can't sign you at this dollar with this foot issue after the physical. And he was very candid about how hard that was for him, which I respected that too. I would like to see him circle back to signing him, you know, I don't know, June or something, do a new physical and get him on a, maybe a cheaper deal. Then all of a sudden it'll look brilliant. Right. And then if he plays. But the worst thing polls could do is ignore the physical and then sign the one big splash signing is is out for the first seven games or whatever. So I, I think it was there's reason to kind of question some of stuff with polls, but I don't think that one's fair because I think ultimately he made the harder, better choice once he pulled the plug. Yeah, I, I guess for, for that, does anybody have a differing opinion than that? Because again, there are two sides of it. There's some people that do believe that, I guess, why was he even going out and spending that money at the start on a defensive player that we he kind of told everybody that he was going to stick to, I guess, the second, third, fourth wave of free agency, which we've seen since. So was any does anybody have maybe a different opinion on that? Or is everybody kind of in agreement with Mark there that it's, it's just good that once you figure out that the medical is what it is, that you just don't sign? I don't know if anybody has a differing opinion or... Do we all agree? Seems like we all agree. That's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That, 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 that's fine. Look, I think, look, when you look at the way this has gone about, and it's a good question, Tony, when it comes to Og and Joby, because a lot of people do complain the fact that why are they going defense? We should be trying to move everything to the offense. You just try to Khalil Mack away. You're kind of signaling that maybe there's a bit of a transition from spending a lot of the money onto the defense and then spending it on the offense, but then you end up kind of going so much into spending on a free technique. Now we've said it before, Tony, prior to free agency, just how important that position was going to be that we we're even talking about players in the second round at 39 at that point in time, even prior to the Khalil Mack trade that I wouldn't be surprised that if that's one of the options. So clearly they went in for Ogan Joby there and that was kind of, I guess, an important situation there. So, look, Chris, I'm going to bring you in here. What's been your overall takeaways from, I guess, the free agency period? Have you agreed with most of the things that kind of Pulse has done? Or 
would you like to see him be a little bit more aggressive in trying to get some offensive weapons in here? Well, I think if there were more uh, more names out there that could have made a difference to really help the offense, and specifically to help Fields get more comfortable, I would have been all for it. But I don't know who was really out there that was that was really a uh, an option for the Bears. I mean. They, they didn't have much trade capital, you know, to make a trade or anything. Uh, and then, like, you know, who who was on the market that uh, that uh, would have been someone who said, yes, we got to get this guy. He, that's like a missing – the missing piece, or that's the guy that can really uh, help Fields get to that next level. I don't know, really know who was out there uh, for that. So um, I'm okay with it, and especially since Pace – was uh, a little more oh uh, a little more free with spending i guess on free agency and that's come back to uh, to bite the bears a bit so i'm okay with not even risking wasting bad money on free agency at this point and it, it seems clear to me that he really wants to build this thing through the draft and i i really like that idea especially and this isn't certainly an original thought for me but free agency is often what you have to do when you don't draft well. So um, I don't think that trying to get more players through free agency is really in the best long-term interest of the Bears. Yeah, and then uh, I kind of wanted to add on to what you were saying there. Um, I believe that polls and almost the entire NFL was not expecting Christian Kirk to get that deal and mess up the entire wide receiver um, free agency. I feel like once that happened, it was over for every other free agent uh, wide receiver that was left, and he raised it up way up here. And I feel like there was a there was a couple of receivers we maybe could have gotten for a one year prove them deal, maybe six to seven million dollar range. But him getting that deal helped us maybe making Devonte Adams leave the division. But for on our end, I don't think that helped us um, picking up any of these guys. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and Tony, I'll, I'll say it to you. We we mentioned this kind of in our in our own little group chat that that deal fucked up free agency. It slowed it down by about three or four days because I the, we we knew of certain deals that were pretty much gonna be done and we're gonna be kind of getting over the line. You look at even Juju Smith Schuster, Marquez Valdez Scantling all had pretty robust markets. Alan Robinson was pretty close to signing elsewhere than LA at the time. There was all those rumors of Detroit. And the minute that that comes in, every single one of those free agents like, yeah, no, you can forget that deal. I want even, I want more money going ahead. But yeah, that, that was a really good point by, by Curtis is that kind of slowed the entire process down, especially for the offensive players, because once a guy of Christian Kirk's caliber, look, he's a, he's a good player. I spoke to on the first day of free agency to one of the beat reporters that's pretty close in with what's going on there down in Arizona. And the Bears were interested in Christian Kirk, <laughs> but they were never going even close to that amount of money. So it's it was an interesting way that it worked. And Poles essentially said that himself. He said that he was kind of deciding, do they want to go off and spend all this money or do they want to be careful with it and he confided in the people around him and they decided to hold back so 
again, it shows that maybe he has the the right people around him. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's definitely uh, that's definitely an important issue. Marcus, I, I believe you have a comment on this as well. Yeah, you know, Curtis, that was a great point with the wide receivers and the way the market took off. You know, I think also when I look at this, I will say I was excited for free agency. I was, um, you know, I thought that we'd make kind of some some kind of splash. Although you'd listen to Pace and he'd say, you know, they were going to ride it out, wait for the, uh, the second and third wave of free agency. But I think the more I followed along, you know, and trying to read the tea leaves, if you will, it seems like everything they're doing is lining up for next year. You know, take care of the main pieces of the puzzle. And, and I know that we've talked or, or, you know, seen quite a bit of comments on this. But if you look at the cap space next year, it's it's a brilliant move to have patience. We haven't had patience. You know, Ryan Pace, I think, had everybody excited and we talked about that. But, you know, this is the only approach that I think works because doing the same thing over and over again, you know, as we know, is it, just it, it, it doesn't make any sense. So with what he's doing now, you know, I think with, with the way that some of the things have gone, starting with defensive line um, and knowing that we needed a three technique, obviously it not panning out the way that, that they originally intended. Um, Justin Jones, I think, is on a two-year contract. You know, that's kind of a let's see what you can do, but we're not going to overly commit, right? And then we have all this cap space lined up for next year. So stick with the offensive line, defensive line, build out from there. And I don't think that next year will be – he just – uh, polls, I should say, doesn't seem as though he's going to make – you know, he's not going to overspend in certain positions in free agency even next year. But I think he has the right train of thought to where, you know, you get the key components, the core, the foundation of this team. And then when you need to and when those are the, the sprinklings or the kind of the seasonings on top, you can add those pieces in as needed rather than be the other way around. And that's your foundation on overspending and free agency. So that's what I'm excited about now. Um, I think it's I think it's going to work out pretty well. I think the only thing I would have maybe wanted to see him a little bit more aggressive on is like when Robert Woods goes for just a sixth round pick. But for all we know, he's like, I'm not going to the Bears, you know, and he would have pitched a fit and he wanted to go to a contender, which let's be honest, the Bears are signaling that they're not a contender necessarily this first year of Cole's tenure. Uh, so the trade market was a little more interesting, I think, than once, uh, once, like you mentioned, Curtis, once Christian Kirk sort of blew up the wide receiver free agency. And I understand when fans see like Juju Smith-Schuster goes for one year, they're like, come on, Poles. I mean, really though? Is he going to want to be a chief or a bear in 2022? Like we have to be a little bit more realistic, I think, about where the bears are at when we get some of those sort of angry reactions. If he's picking between the two, the bears have to blow that deal out of the water, and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And Tony, one of the questions or comments that was put in by Bruja actually goes at what Mark just said. So we can we can talk about like kind of. Nagy and the lack of development last year. I don't really want to get too much into it, but one of the interesting parts of the comment, um, and I'll I'll throw it up on the screen here so people can kind of see it, was the second part. So could the performance last year have put off free agent wide receivers from coming to Chicago when you compare that to some of the other teams that they did go to? So like Mark mentioned, kind of the Chiefs. Are you going to want to go to the Chiefs to have a, a settled offense that's been in place for a couple of years already. You get to be with Patrick Mahomes, who was a known quantity. While we all 
we all like Justin Fields. We see that potential. We see where he can get to. He still has to be the one to prove it. So I, I guess that's the point. So Tony, I, I wanted to kind of pose that question to you and then anybody else after that, to, if they want to kind of answer that too. But I think it's a really interesting point that Bruja makes. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting point, I suppose. Um, I think it would be more pertinent um, if it was still the same front office and, and coaching staff that were there. Um, I I think when it comes to free agents, um, for the most part, uh, they're they're looking for the best kind of deal. Um, they're obviously looking for the best kind of setup as well. But you know, if a team comes to you and says, "We well, you know we're going to pay you seventeen million dollars a year to come and play," you're probably going to take it. Um, you know, regardless of what last season's coaching staff had had done with with uh, Justin Fields. Um, I mean, the thing is, it remains to be seen how this offense is going to look uh, moving forward uh, with Getze and Co. Um, but certainly looking at the, the tree that he comes from um, and the sort of players that he's worked for, sorry, worked with before, um, then I would would say that it might be something that may attract players to come here. And I think maybe it'd be more the case this time around that the Bears were just not willing to pay people what they wanted in free agency, rather than um, rather than them not wanting to come. But that's just my opinion on that. Matt, have you got anything on that? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. There's clearly uh, not a massive desire, I think, for people to give the Bears any discounts. And if, if Poles has established one thing, he's not going to overpay in free agency. You look at that wide receiver market in particular, there was a ton of demand. And there just wasn't, by the time all the franchise tags happened, uh, there just was not a lot left out there. Um, and I think they looked at the draft this year and see, you know, especially after the max trade picking up the extra second, they're, they're, they're going to be able to improve that position significantly. And I, and I think, and again, I, we always get ourselves real excited about guys like Pringle and, and uh, ESB and think that they could, you know, take some next step. Maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. But I think between Mooney and, and getting a guy or maybe a couple guys in those first three rounds, they're going to be in a much better position. And, but, you know, another thing that's interesting you know, comparison when you look at what, what Poles' approach has been. I mean, he just he t- accelerated all that cap pain this year. He did exactly what Brandon Bean did in Buffalo. So it's just, you know, strip it down, see where you're at. I, I even like, you know, I, I got to admit in free agency, I was, you know, we all talked, or not, all, I don't want to speak for everybody, but the idea was, oh, we, we absolutely have to get another corner, starting corner opposite. I get, I'm starting to get the impression they want to give Thomas Graham a look there too. They're going to add a little bit of depth, but maybe he is a legitimate number two opposite Jalen. And if you're and if you're paying both those guys on rookie deals, that's going to open up a ton of other possibilities. Um, one area that they didn't, and not to be all positive on polls, I, I think he's been great so far. But but just to play a little devil's advocate, where I thought they might have been able to add some help for for uh, Field potentially in the cheap, is if they got into the tight end market a little bit, like. Tanya, I know, is probably going to end up back in Green Bay regardless, but he would have been a really interesting guy to pick up and or maybe even Evan Ingram, a guy maybe in that new position that could have come cheaper than that that wide receiver market, which is, uh, I think Curtis pointed out, just got ridiculous with um, with that Christian Kirk sign. But but again, I think overall his approach is very measured and makes a ton of sense. He just he just wanted to spend this year really seeing, seeing what he has and try to build some depth to the draft. Uh, and and I I think another reason it probably sound crazy is I think a lot of receivers don't want to come because it's it's an unknown like you don't know what the offense is looking like so why get into a three year deal or something and you don't know how you will perform or if you go for a proving year your numbers might not look the same as in if you go to a Kansas City Chiefs so I feel like if the offense is somewhat 
like a fun, fun offense, something good to watch, then I believe the fiat the right receiver market would be lovely next season, especially we got the money to go out and get one. So I feel like it's an unknown right now because we don't know what the offense looked like. Yeah, I think that's a really good point in terms of a lot of the guys this year, especially some of those like the likes of DJ Chark, Juju Smith Schuster, um, Vala Scantling, for example. The guys that want that proven deal, because they look, everybody knows the cap is going up in the next kind of two to three years anyway. COVID kind of messed that up to where it brought it down. But these guys and their agents know it's going to go up by quite a lot over the next two to three seasons. So these guys are picking and choosing situations where they feel that they can inflate their numbers. And unfortunately, the Bears are an unknown. I compare the Bears to a certain point to when we see what the Chicago Bulls were like, where everybody was talking for a while about some of the lower ranked teams, like even like the Sacramento Kings and things of like that, because they play nice basketball, right? The Bulls weren't doing that. Now you see this year, they get a couple of guys together and suddenly the way they're playing is a lot better. Do you think that there's going to be guys that are going to want to join that team? Of course, because they see that there's development there. If you see the Bears showing that this year where, okay, maybe they don't win a lot of games, but if that offense looks like a fun offense and it looks like they're sharing the ball around and that you're going to be able to score, that's that's definitely an opportunity there. And look, Tony, I'll bring you in and you can kind of pose it to, to, any, to any of the other guys as well. And a lot of this comes back to the offense and how is it going to get better? We've seen them try to improve the offensive line. Unfortunately, some of those moves just didn't work out. We've seen a couple of smaller additions to the wide receiver market. And I guess one of the questions we've had on recent shows kind of comes around Darnell Mooney. And if people believe he has the potential to be one of the main targets on this team. And I know there's a lot of people on Twitter that like to have the, the debate whether he's a number one. I don't really, I don't really want to get too much into the semantics of a number one. But can he be a main target on a championship winning team? Because that's what you want to get to. I guess, do you believe that he has that ability? Because if he does, soon enough, the Bears are going to have to pay him. And the way we're seeing these wide receiver contracts, it looks like it's just going to keep going up. So you better know what you have in him. And you better know if he has the ability to be one of those main guys. Yeah, I mean, I think you, if you look statistically um, at his performance, you would have to say, yes, he's hitting those sort of metrics. Um, he was over a 1,000 yards last year, um, you know, averaging 13 yards per reception as well. A few touchdowns on top of that, you know. So looking looking at that situation, you would have to say, yes, he can be a major contributor. And you can think about how much he was stagnated in that uh, Matt Nagy offense as well. I know we don't want to dwell on the past too much, but, you know, in talking about whether or not he's someone who could be a major player moving forward, you have to take that into account. Um, and it's the same with anybody who played relatively well in offense last year. They stood out, and you'd have to say that in a in a more functional offense, they would certainly perform a lot better. Um, so for me, yeah, he's he's got to be one of, the, one of the main guys moving forward. Now, as you mentioned, the question is, you know, can he be the quote-unquote number one guy in the team? Um, again, that's something that's going to develop over time. I mean, this is only second season. This is only, he's going to be his third season now. So, you know, time is running out in the sense that we've got a couple of more years in his rookie deal. 
and eventually, you know, we are going to have to either re-sign him or let him go. Um, but you know, I think what we've seen happen in free agency um, is that um, he's, you know, Ryan Poles has signed a couple of guys, um, but he hasn't went after the the big guys, if you like. Now, for me, in terms of wide receivers that were worth signing in free agency, who could be considered the number one. It's really Alan Robinson and nobody else. But that bridge was burned, even if it was a new, a new uh, team that he, he was coming back to. Um, that was never going to happen. So so really, there's a lot of you can say there's a lot of faith being put in Mooney, but at the same time, we don't know what they're going to do in the draft. Um, you know, Are they going to go um, wide receiver at 39 or 48? We spoke about the options and maybe going offensive line there build from the trenches and then eventually kind of pick up your your kind of skill players later on but um yeah it's he's certainly a guy who i feel will be one of the main guys moving forward will he take that next step and be in the upper echelon of wide receivers in the league that remains to be seen yeah curtis i know you have a you have a comment on this as well if you want to come in uh yeah i kind of wanted to agree with um with tony there uh, I felt like everybody on the offense last year were stuck in handcuffs in that Matt Nagy offense. So I feel like him getting a thousand yards in that hitch and curl spamming offense is something that we can look forward to next year, having just a fresh face and a fresh like mind in the building. I feel like, how are we going to get worse? I mean, let's knock on wood, but like Matt Nagy, that, that was in a, that was a time that I'm glad we're past and let's stay away from that. But, I just feel like um, him exploding and performing that well in that kind of offense, I just feel like he's bound to have some type of crazy breakout season. And I do think that he can be that number one receiver for our team, honestly. Uh, yeah, I agree. I feel like Darnell can be a number one. I was just looking. I pulled up somebody. I feel like it was, it's a comp who was a fifth rounder. That's Tyreek Hill, who just got a bag from uh, Miami. Uh, his first year was similar to uh, Darnell and his second year. And I feel like he got the quarterback to match up as in Justin Fields. And to me, I feel like he's a better route runner than Tyreek Hill. So I can honestly say that he got potential to be a number one receiver. He just needs somebody who could, who could like, a, I feel like if Cole Komet take a step, and you get him a second receiver, then you got something. One thing I was going to bring up, and I, I'm curious, we're talking about the weapons um, on the offensive line, right? I mean, I think the big question is where where do they see Jenkins playing? Do they see Borum fitting in at one of those tackles? And there's still some there's still some interesting options out there. You have Treader, uh, Fisher. You, you don't know. You know. You think given their familiarity, if they're interested in signing him, they probably would have done that already. Um, I'd be curious what the group thinks. Do they do they really need to add another veteran here? Because I, I'd be more willing personally to take my chances with a one of these receivers who will likely be able to get in the second round and think they can come in and be productive right away. Whereas I think on the offensive line, you essentially are going to have two develop, you know, at least one or two developmental players on there already. Um, that to me feels like the area if we we're going to spend a little bit of, of our cap money, um, you know, even if it's a short one, two year deal for a Dwayne Brown, a Fisher, a JC Treader, somebody to try to build the depth and give Fields a little bit more of a security blanket there. But curious what others think. Uh, a name I throw out at guard is Tri Turner. Been to Pro Bowls, only 28. 
I believe he has some experience in similar offenses, um, or he might have worked with the, the new O-line coach. I can't remember exactly what his yeah, connection to the in, system in, is. In Pittsburgh last yeah. year that they worked yes, together. Because I think you, you, it looks like they're going to try the tackles. And I think this is something to keep in mind, too. If you're Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, but especially Poles, and you're looking at last year's film, how many guys do you think he's out of position? Why didn't they play him more snaps? It affects Thomas Graham potentially. Like I think he's really taking this year and last this last season and almost throwing his hands up and saying, let's see what these young guys have. So I think you supplement the line with a veteran who's still on the correct side of 30 so that you're not quite as desperate for a guard in the draft because all of a sudden you got white hair and a bunch of young guys if you're not careful. So I think another veteran would make some sense there. And he did go after Ryan Bates, so he seems to be in the guard market a little. I would have liked to have seen him maybe – make that offer a little higher just to Buffalo can't match if he really loves him. That's really my, my only big criticism of him. I think if you've got a guy you love the way the, the economics work, sometimes you got to overpay a little bit in free agency, which is why you don't do it all the time. But again, if you love him, but I'd get a guard. Yeah. I think look, that's I, um, maybe why though. I mean, again, you go going back to the whole thing with Ryan Poles um, and him being kind of careful with money and not overpaying guys in free agency, even if it wasn't, it was technically you know, a restricted free agent and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we can look at the way he's approached. We knew he was interested in Brian Allen at centre. Um, obviously, we've now got Patrick in there, so that's fine. Guard was obviously going to be an issue as well because James Daniels had left. Um, it's still an issue because I don't think uh, Dozier is going to be the starting starting guard in the team. He's definitely going to be a, a depth piece. Um, so I think... What, what question I wanted to ask to you guys actually was just in regards to you were brought up the tackles there and we're talking about Jenkins and Borum. Um, Jenkins, obviously a second round pick, probably would have gone in the first round of, but, you know, people were aware of different health issues with them, etc. Um, so I'm curious to see what you guys think of um, whether he would play on the left or the right and also whether you think Larry Borum is a starting tackle or whether he should be considered a kind of swing tackle and then looking to bring someone else in and maybe the second round of the draft this year. Um, Matt, have you got any, any particular, just cause you brought up the, the line yeah, there. I, I think, I think you want to give Jenkins, I, I thought there was enough on the tape. I mean, he had some rough, he had some rough snaps, but I thought there were periods where he was pretty effective there. Um, I think you want to give him a look at left tackle. Borum on the other hand, I, I think Maybe it's aspirational, but I think on a good team, he's probably a swing tackle, or maybe he settles in at right guard. I would have no problem whatsoever if, um, you know, between those two picks, the Bears came away with, you know, a really maybe a potential X receiver and a, you know, a, a legitimate option at right tackle. Um, I, I do think that they would want to invest dra- draft capital there because I think you can improve it. The, the interior of that line was some inexpensive free agents and some people that they already have in place between, you know, White here and, and Lucas Patrick. So I think that's just an area you want to invest in long term. I mean, it's, we've all talked about building, building, you know, the trenches up. And, and to me, that makes the most sense. Yeah, it, it does indeed. And look, the one thing that I would say, I've always been a, when, the, when we started, when the free agency period started, Tony, we, kind of put out a list of certain players we thought would fit within the Bears system. And we've put out a couple of those veterans. But you're at the point now where you're three weeks out from the draft. Unless there's a pretty good deal on kind of a one-year contract, you're most likely not going to be signing too many players 
because you just have to look at last year. Bears draft Tevin Jenkins, and then suddenly they release Charles Leno Jr. There's a lot of very talented guards that are coming in through the draft. So even if the Bears don't get one, you're it's very likely that another team is going to release a veteran that's just going to cost them a hell of a lot more money than maybe a first or second round pick that they may bring in. So that's one thing that you also have to think of is there's going to be guys that are going to be available after the draft because their team has replaced them in the draft, just like the Bears did last year. So when we look at the offensive line, I think right now there's something like, I think, eight players under contract on the offensive line. By the time the Bears go to camp, they're going to have like 15 or 16 guys there. So it's it's the same every single year. You beef up on the offensive line, you beef up on the defensive line, and they're the ones that you kind of cut down kind of the first time around because especially with COVID, you want to make sure that you have enough guys there to be able to have the three teams that you're going to be using in training camp. So you're going to be looking at roughly about 14 or 15 offensive linemen. So again, you still have another, whatever it is, six or seven guys that you're going to have to sign. Only realistically, one of those would be a draft pick. You'll get a couple of UDFAs. There will be one or two veterans coming in. Like, I guess one of the interesting tweets today that Justina Anderson put out was that there's guys that have deals on the table, but they haven't taken them up on it or they haven't answered yet because maybe they want to wait until after the draft because maybe their services might be wanted more or maybe they're just taking their time and in signing some of these deals. You never know. The Bears could have an agreement with somebody already and it just hasn't been done or they have to do a physical or there's many different aspects of this, but I won't be worried too much until we see after the draft where they're at. I think what you mentioned, Tony, what we said on our show just on, what was it, on Wednesday, or I think we did Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day we did the show, we were uh, we were talking about that where it's probably likely that one of those second-round picks will be on the offensive line just because where it lands, there's a lot of talented guys that are available, mainly at the guard position. You can maybe move down a little bit and grab a guy like, Dylan Parham, or you can get Darian Kennard, who are fit that kind of mold that we've seen polls want. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really important. I guess when it comes to the offensive line, one of the questions that I kind of researched a little bit, put it in a story, I think it was last week, was surrounding Tevin Jenkins. So many people have this opinion of him. And look, I want to invite anybody that wants to kind of talk a little bit about Tevin Jenkins because we were all very kind of hyped about it before anybody thought the bears could go up and trade for Justin Fields last year. Pretty much every single person that I saw mocking someone to the bears was Tevin Jenkins at 20, right? The majority of them were that. So how do we go from that to everybody thinking that dude can't play? That's what I, that's what I want to know because he was injured. He got the back injury, which was, which was bad for the Bears, bad for his development. But the fact that he was just thrown in there, it, do, it doesn't help him. It doesn't help anybody. So it is one of those that I think we have to we have to be a little bit patient. But again, Jenkins or Borum, one of them is going to be starting this year. We may have another rookie that's starting. It's going to be a tough year for, I think, the offensive line. That's why you may end up having a guy, like Mark said, you might have a guy like Trey Turner come in. You may have a veteran tackle that maybe people aren't too happy about but i remember 
dogging Cornelius Lucas a couple of years ago, saying he was the worst offensive tackle I've seen for the Bears. And then since then has kind of gotten a couple of good contract offers from there. So, look, um, I guess anybody that wants to jump in here and talk a little bit about Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, so I'll say this. I think uh, I believe in Jenkins. I think he has a lot of talent here, and I'm excited to see him develop this coming year. I think the interesting question that I ask myself is, is Tevin Jenkins truly, you know, going to be our left tackle or is he better at shifting over to the right side? And and we know we've got a player there. Did he struggle last year? Yes, but you hit it on the head. You know, he missed the majority of the season. How could he not come in and struggle? Some of it had to be even just confidence in his back, confidence in his ability of getting back out there. Um the scary thing to me is is with Barum, you know, where does he fit and do you go into this draft and pick someone in the second round to play a tackle position when we've just done that with Jenkins and and also not knowing where it, it's so hard to believe all the, um, you know, all the write-ups, uh, you know, everything that the front office was leaking out about their confidence in these guys last year, right, because of the regime that we had. And now, you know, you kind of wonder what are we left with? So I think the one interesting thing, too, to go on your point is when we go through and we get past the draft, is anybody becoming available or, or do we really put a pick into to an offensive tackle? I feel much better about guard. But, you know, to get back to the point, Jenkins, I, I think we stick with him. And plus, you got to admit that one thing that polls and, and them have to love when they look at his tape is, the fact that he is tough, the fact that he is the only guy on the offensive line that stuck up for fields in that Vikings game. Um, he's the only one that showed, you know, the characteristics of what they say they like. And so with him, yeah, I say give it a go. Um, it's just a matter of is he a left tackle or is he a right tackle? That's my big question, Mark. I'd be interested to see what you guys think about that. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I just want to – the point I was going to make is – I don't, I don't want to bring up Nagy and uh, Pace again, but I feel like with them, they really didn't know how to deal with injuries, and we we saw that in the past. And I, I, I believe that he wasn't really 100%. I believe he wasn't in shape. Uh, so, And one thing uh, Ryan Post did say is he want his offensive linemen to be like in shape, speed. So I feel like they would get Tevin Jenkins in shape, ready to go. And we're probably going to see the best of Tevin Jenkins this year with the right staff involved that really will watch his weight, watch his body shape, and get him you know, ready to go. So I still believe in Tevin Jenkins. I think we know Jenkins can run block from the college tape, right? Like it's whether he can hold up in pass pro. And it used to be like your left tackle had to be better there, right? And now I think a lot of teams are putting their best guy on either side. So I don't know how much the distinction matters anymore. But I think it's hard not to look at the tackle position with my Bears blinders because it'd be so good for this franchise if both those guys, Borum and Jenkins, play tackle. If they both work out and you're set for years there. So I would keep giving them a shot. And I'd also point out the position coaches. where On the offensive side of the ball the last couple of years, you have all these guys that were out of the league, right? Whether it's Laser or especially Juan Castilla, and you just have to wonder, I think, will the change in coaching lead to better development and a little bit more modern way of coaching these positions to help these guys grow? And that's that's the real, you know, golden ticket we're after, I think. So the coaching change we maybe haven't given enough love to in this episode. 
Yeah, I, I would. That's a great point, Mark. I mean, I think that what, what people have been so you know frustrated. A lot of a lot of folks, you know, Bears Twitter has been frustrated by the lack of um, acquisitional weapons. And, and these guys, without dogging the last regime, are clearly just. I think quietly confident that a change in uh, scheme and in, in coaching is going to have an outsized impact, not only with fields, but with, with the rest of the group. One other thing too, and you guys have danced around a little bit and this is back to polls and his overall approach to this off season. And, and I think, you know, obviously the mantra has been flexibility. He might be just hoarding what remaining cap space he has, you know, after signing the draft picks to go after these post June one cuts. I mean, there's going to be that, that there's an interesting article uh, idea for you guys, Kieran and Tony is, is you know guys who you you could see being potential uh, June one casualties because you can you can get some really good veterans. In fact, I think going back a few years, isn't that how we got sitting uh, from the Packers? I think it was that yeah. exact type of situation, and he was fine for a great you know he was, performed really well for a couple of years. Not to say that they would want to spend that kind of money this year, but the general idea is you could probably improve that offensive line and any number of other positions. Um, you know, it might be just more efficient use of that cap space. Yeah, I think you're probably spot on with that. There's there's probably going to be quite a lot of kind of surprise cuts that we'll see um, after the draft, you know, um, and the, the post first June cuts as well, you know. So um, I, I think Bowles is playing the right kind of game in terms of just letting it come to him instead of kind of going out there and, and just kind of throwing money at things and hoping it sticks. Um, and I think, you know, as I say, you're going to want to get into the draft and see what you can pick up. We don't know. We spoke about this lots of times before. We don't know what Ryan Poles is going to do in the draft. We knew what Ryan Pace was going to do in the draft. He would trade both seconds and go up to the, uh, the first round and grab whatever wide receiver he wants to pick up. But we don't know what Poles is going to do. I mean, we think he should be cut, he should be trading back, picking up some more picks. I think that's probably what he will do with at least one of the second round picks. Um, but again... We're really going on nothing at the moment. Um, and it's it's the same when we were entering free agency. You know, a couple of guys have said it. We didn't know what was going to happen in terms of who we were going to go after. Were we going to spend big? He's saying that we're not going to spend in the first wave, but Ryan Pace used to say shit and do other things anyway. So, you know, again, we're conditioned to to kind of get used to what we hear from other people. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. And I actually can't wait until that second night of the draft to see is see what we do but i would be beyond shocked if the bears ended up with somehow picking a guy in the first round this year i just don't see anything like that happening it's definitely for me anyway i think it's definitely going to go the other way is there anything else that anybody else kind of thinks in terms of um you know in terms of the draft in itself is anybody expecting anything from it in particular do you think we're going to go after a particular position at 39 48 um, are we going to get some prizes? Is, is there anybody who, who's got an idea there? I think getting that second pick in the Mac trade gives them a little bit more flexibility. If they didn't have that, I would say they'd be pretty darn locked in to taking a wide receiver or maybe an offensive lineman. I think at this point, I mean, what wouldn't totally shock me is if there was a cornerback, for example, at 39 that they really had high on their board that, that fell, and maybe even a three technique given the importance in Eberflus's defense. I mean, the Bears' Twitter would be absolutely smoke alarms would go off if that happened, but it probably wouldn't necessarily be a bad move. But I think getting that extra second pick and obviously having the extra flexibility to trade back and get some more picks in that kind of second, third, fourth round range 
opens up their options at uh, 39 and 48. So I, I think they're in a much better position. Uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, follow that um, with um, probably what everybody would assume, but I, I think we definitely have to pick a receiver with the 39th pick. And um, the guy that catches my eye, you can't watch his film and just not want him in a Bears jersey is uh, Christian Watson, man. I know Bears Twitter is going to love that one, but Christian Watson, I think, is that guy. I think I have um, in my notes he's running like a 4-3, had over 1,100 yards, all-purpose yards last year for his team. Um, I just I, I would love to see him in that Getsy's offense, whatever he's bringing, uh, his mix of Shanahan and whatever he wants to throw on it. I just – I think – Justin throwing that thing to Watson and having Darnell, who I who I think could be a number one. And then we also did bring in Pringle. I think bringing in a receiver at 39 would be the best bet for us because we do also have that other second pick for maybe a lineman. But 39, I'm locked in for a receiver. Okay, so with that, I'm going to bring up what we – I've planned to do two big debate topics today. First one is going to be around that 39 pick because everybody has these different opinions on who the Bears should go after. So this is all going to be about, let's say you're all in in the Bears draft room. All your favorite prospects are available. You have to bang the table for whatever guy that you like. You need to convince, whether it be Ryan Poles, whether it be Tony, Tony's all in on, George Pickens at the moment. If you if you have anybody else, you need to try and convince him. Otherwise, Tony, before so I let the the guys kind of think of some of their arguments of why they want to pick a certain guy. I'm gonna kind of go to you, and I know you've been a favorite of of Pickens personally. If it's where we where we think it's gonna be, I, I would like Pickens to be one of the guys that brought in. But if if this particular prospect fell. And just the fact that he has visited the Bears just this week, I would find it very, very difficult not to select Kenyon Green if somehow he gets to 39. He is that kind of, he reminds me of that kind of bruising kind of guard that you want to bring in that really bolsters that offensive line. But look, yeah. I know you're I know you're a big fan of George Pickens, as am I. So if it got to 39, he was available. What would be a reason why you would want the Bears to go and select him? To be fair, look, I've I've been banging the table for George Pickens for the, for the last few weeks, couple of months, right? But what I would say is that having thought about it more over the last couple of weeks, and we talked about this on uh, the show on Wednesday or whenever it was, was it Wednesday? Can't remember. Anyway, I think so. Aye, the day is just all melting at one. Um, and, and, and we talked about it and <laughs> going with the guy, going with Poles and Cunningham, you know, being offensive line guys. You know, wanting to build through the trenches. I just have a feeling that if the right offensive lineman is there at 39, that's the way they're going to go now. For all, I would love them to take Pickens. And I think there could be a scenario where they could still end up with Pickens at the 48th pick. Um, but then again, you know, we've seen that other teams are interested in Pickens as well. He's He's been in for several visits over the last few weeks as well. So I'm kind of in that situation where if Kenyon Green was there, for example, he would be the guy that I would select at this point. Um, if he was gone and maybe Tyler Smith was there, maybe I'd go with Tyler Smith um, out of Tulsa. Um, there's different There's different ways. I just feel that the combination of Poles and Cunningham being offensive linemen 
this being a long-term build and the wide receiver class being quite deep, um, we could potentially pick up a good wide receiver at 48 or 71. Um, you know, we talked about Christian Watson being a big, fast, athletic guy, 100%. Alec Pierce is also that big, fast, athletic guy. And I think you could probably get him later on in the draft. Um, there's a situation where you could still come out with a big contributor, wide receiver, but you're solidifying your line, you know, and until we solidify that, that was one of the main problems last year was that line. Well, it's been that way for, for some time now, but yeah. if you, if you solidify that line, then you build from there, you keep Justin Fields on his feet and that's going to make so much more of a difference. And even the guys we've brought in in free agency, wide receiver, you could argue that, you know, a couple of them are actually um, better than what we had last year outside of Alan Robinson. And Alan Robinson was underperforming last year. So th there, there's a lot to take into account. And and someone, I think it was Matt, maybe, I can't remember, mentioned that we can't underestimate the uh, scheme change and the coaching changes because that's going to have a huge effect on everything. So for me, I was banging the table for George Pickens. And if they took George Pickens at 39, I would be delighted. However, if Green was there or Tyler Smith was there or one of those kind of guys, I would not be mad if they took him. And to be honest with you, I would not be mad if they even took two offensive linemen in the second round and picked up their uh, skill guys later on. Anybody else yeah. on that one? Yeah, look, what, what we'll do for this one is, so everybody has their enough time to be able to talk about, I'm going to go through each person. So give me the player that you want to see the Bears pick at 39. Don't, look, we'll be a little bit realistic. Don't pick obvious kind of first-round picks. But, like, guys that there's the possibility to, to fall for some guys, but then also, I guess, the guys we've, I, we've seen projected in that kind of that range. So, Mike, I'm going to start with you. You have the you have the choice here. Who do you want to see the Bears pick at number thirty nine? Do you agree with Tony? Do you want to see them go offensive line? Do you want to see them go wide receiver, or do you want to go complete oppo and you want to go get like a three technique or a corner or something like that? Well, I, I was gonna say George Pickens, but just cause he's got the fifty fifty. But I'm gonna choose somebody different. I'm gonna go cornerback for uh, the Auburn Roger, and uh, I believe that. We need another corner with talent to line up with Jalen Johnson. Two corners, especially now with the receivers we will be facing. Uh, it will be nice to show up some real talent on that corner, uh, right along with uh, Thomas Graham Jr. I feel like you can't go wrong with that. Uh, I feel like he fits uh, Coach E system. He hit hard, play hard. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. He's very highly rated, has gone up against all the kind of top wide receivers. I think there's a – it's Roger McCreary is a excellent corner. He's he's kind of been going – I guess his projected has been all over the place. I guess the one thing that we would say is, Tony, we spoke to, to Thomas Graham Jr. about – what was it? It must be about three weeks ago now. And the interesting point they keep bringing up is the fact that Ibraflus was interested in him last year to yeah. try and get him to the Colts. So I'd say he definitely is going to have an opportunity to compete, but I wouldn't be mad with a with a second-round corner. If McCreary is there at 39 or 48, I'd have no problem the Bears go in that direction because at the end of the day, I just don't want to see Kendall Vildor go across for, from Jalen Johnson for another year. I can't stand it because it was so obvious that all teams had to do was pick on him. 
Like, yeah, what we want to do is give the team the best opportunity to win. If the best player at that point is a corner, so be it. I think that's that's a really good point made by by Mike there. Mark, you're you're up next. Yeah, you get so to I would the table for someone. Go ahead. I would have been all over McCreary until they signed Taven Young this weekend. Because yeah. now I'm kind of like, all right, with all the other needs, corner now it looks a little better. Although he's a stud. McCreary's, I think, great. Being down here in SEC country, I saw a lot of him. Uh, so I'm going to go – I'm going to make an assumption that eight or nine wide receivers are off the board by the time the Bears pick, which you are seeing some of the mocks doing now. And so I'll say Pickens and those guys are even gone, which will piss me off because I want a receiver. But in that scenario, I'll take Tyler Smith. Give me another nasty tackle to pair with Jenkins. And Borum, we've already mentioned, has that flexibility to maybe kick inside or be the swing tackle and stop having these desperate scenarios where you're calling a guy off a fishing boat in August, right, and get some depth there and then come back and get a receiver next because you're into that next tier if that many get drafted, which I think is possible. Yeah, let's call someone from a cruise liner instead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what? Fair, by the way, just just on that point, just fair play to Jason Peters though. Like, there's a guy who wasn't ready for the season. You know, he's just sitting there, like I'm just gonna. I was watching on television, you know, like, and he just comes in and takes over. You know, imagine if he had a full a full off season to get ready, kind of thing. So, fair. I just wanted to make that point. Fair play to Jason Peters. Respect, man. Yeah, one of the points I do want to make is, and. Actually, one of the guys, George, in the in the comments has, has made is, I know a lot of people will, will say that there might be like eight or nine receivers that could be taken before 39. But we also have to remember is, if there were eight receivers taken before 39, that would be a draft record. So we always say, we say this quite often. I think we did a little bit of a research on, on this, Tony, just for the guys that were, project, were projected as, absolute day one guys and i think we have like something maybe six guys are projected to go in the first round but we don't know what the medicals look like on some of these guys we don't know what the medicals actually look like on jameson williams he's like he's only started running right so he we don't know what that's going to be like only the teams do so he could be one that actually falls quite quite a lot you never know maybe teams that are looking for a wide receiver, maybe their guy gets selected by somebody else. So let's say a team is really high on Dotson, right? And they're planning on drafting him because they're at the end of round one. But then suddenly Philadelphia or New Orleans picks them in the middle of the first round. Well, then maybe they don't want to go wide receiver. And maybe you see a guy like Traylon Burks fall a little bit. So that's where I think that, I do think we'll see five at least go in round one, and you probably see maybe one or two go at the top of round two. I don't personally see eight or nine guys be gone by 39. I think we may be surprised on the guys that are actually gone in the first round. You may see a Dotson. You may see a Traylon Burks fall down. You may see someone like George Pickens go actually in the first round at the end of the first round. You may see... A Christian Watson just because of his, I guess, athletic ability go at the end of the first round. So those are potential ones there. But look, it there's a lot of options at wide receiver. So we will get into that a little bit after this. But Chris, you're up now. It comes to 39. Who are you banging the table for? Well, actually, my position is kind of like where Tony is. I'd like to see Pickens 
but I don't know if he's going to be there. Like you just said, I could see him going uh, end of the first round before uh, the Bears even have a, a shot uh, to even think about taking him. I've seen Sky Moore on a couple mock draft boards uh, from Western Michigan. Uh, might be a little young. I think he's only a sophomore. I think, but uh, you know, seeing him there, like, okay, I I could live with that. But if there is that a beast of a lineman that is there at thirty nine, you can't go wrong with building from the lines and then working your way out. And uh, I was thinking about the end of the Super Bowl, where man, if uh, if Burrow had like a split second longer of protection. Um, he had uh, uh, Chase wide open. I think Ramsey had fallen down or something. So even just a split second longer of protection, and maybe there's a different Super Bowl champ. So I don't think you can go wrong if you're going to say, I need to beef up the lines first and then work outward uh, from there. So if there's a guard or someone who could be right tackle, that's uh, right, right there, and it would be, you know, make all the sense in the world for the Bears to do that instead of wide receiver at 39. Uh, I'd be cool with that. I'd be all right. Yeah, absolutely. That makes complete sense. Again, we've we've spoken with the two options there, Tony, when we kind of look at the offense, wide receiver, offensive line. Matt, you're up. Comes to number 39. You have to bang the table for someone. Who is it? Uh, I hate to be boring, but I kind of have to agree with, I think, Chris and Tony and say Pickens uh, to the extent that he's available. Um, I just think it, it, there's other guys I like, obviously, as well. I don't I, I don't know if Watson will be there. I like the idea of taking the receivers from the bigger, more established programs, whether it's Pickens. If they go back, you know, if, if they decide not to take somebody there, maybe you wait and hopefully get Mechie or Pierce or somebody a little bit later on. But again, back to the, the other point, too, that Chris said, if, if a guy like Tyler Smith is there, if you want to, you also have to go back to what they're going to try to do next year, which is establish an identity, is, you know, the zone running scheme, play action. And one of the best ways to set that tone is by having a really big physical offensive line that you're going to be able to kind of build around. You know, it, it just, it's going to make life a lot easier for fields. We want to just get as much of the noise out of there. So I, I'd be thrilled if Pickens is, is available there, but. Also, wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be too bummed out if Smith was part of the options as well. Absolutely, Marcus, you're up. Who are you going for? Yeah, so this is funny to me. I'm sitting and watching this and thinking we might need to create a podcast as a George Pickens fan base uh, because I too, <laughs> I'm watching this. I'm like, God, I can't agree with these guys. I can't go George Pickens too. But if you if you've watched me on Twitter at all, I mean, that's my guy. And and the funny thing is, is that you know I do think he's going to be available. Um, what's even better than that, and I think the, the biggest point that I'd like to make is, let's say there is a run at wide receivers, and a lot of these wide receivers come off the board before the Bears pick. You know what? That's not a bad situation because there's so much talent here uh, at the beginning of that second round and in second round depth that if that happens, if eight or nine wide receivers go before we pick, then chances are there's a really damn good offensive lineman that's still on the board and as much as it's not as sexy of a pick, I'll take that too. I think we all know that that's, that's extremely important. So George Pickens is my guy if he's there. Um, but if he's not there because there's been a, a run on wide receivers, then we're in a really good position. So I'll take that also. Curtis, are you a part of this fine club as well? Or goes George Pickens? <laughs> Yeah, uh, who's denying a fan club invitation to the George uh, Pickens uh, <laughs> fan club? So, like, literally, you can't go wrong with that pick. Um, 
But uh, I, I know teams like, unfortunately, the Packers have flown them in and talked to them. Um, but, hey, you heard my decision. I'm Watson. But uh, worst case scenario, we get a nasty lineman to put in there. I think we'd be pretty good. There's a lot of talent in this uh, draft for receivers. So I feel like whatever happens is going to happen for a reason. I feel like it's just going to be set up good for us. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an interesting one, Tony, because we hear we do hear a lot of people talking with Pickens. I've said this many times. We're going to be live on that show. Pickens is going to be like available, and the Bears aren't going to pick him, and everyone's going to lose their fucking shit over it. That's exactly. I'll be losing it live on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, and I, I can't wait for it. But like, you also have to remember. I know people are saying that. Well, there's the possibility that what do we have? We have. Alave, you have Traylon Burks, you have Jamison Williams, Drake London, Dotson, who are all the projected first rounders, right? There's definitely a possibility that Watson and then George Pickens are the next two. But even if there's, like I think one of the guys said, I think it was Marcus, he mentioned it. If that happens, you're going to see a bunch of offensive linemen go down. We mentioned it on our last show. At the very start of this process, when everybody was talking about the different guys that are going to be selected in the first round, there wasn't a big hype over some of these quarterbacks. And now suddenly when you see every single mock draft, the top three quarterbacks are going in round one, which pushes more players down. Now, you may get lucky, and let's say some of these wide receivers do go, and let's say Pickens and Watson's gone by 39. I, don't, I personally think at least one of them will be there. But if they are both gone, what it means is either – you probably have one hell of a good offensive lineman that's available, a top corner that could be available. You may even see that in another position that you're looking out for. They might be available as well. At the end of the day, it's a good position to be in, when, especially when you have two second-round picks because you can maneuver quite well in that in that round because I know people say uh, sometimes it's, it's better to have kind of that first-round pick at the end. And then everybody talks about trading down, trading down. But if you're being realistic, where the majority of trades happen in the NFL draft is at the top of the second round because teams realize what they've done in the first round. They have a whole night to think about what they want to do. And often you see about four or five, six trades in the first 15 picks of round two. The fact that the Bears are going to have one of those picks, you might be able to get something like, if you trade back a couple of slots, you may end up being able to pick up a fourth round pick as well. And then you've kind of set yourself up quite well for the middle of the draft. So I think it's definitely important. We talk about pickings. We talk about Watson. There's some really other, there's some really good other players. People have mentioned it before. Alec Pierce, who maybe if you trade down to like pick 50 or maybe in the 60s in the second round, get extra picks. He's a possibility there. One guy, in terms of his actual talent, is is up there with Pickens. He's up there with Watson, but doesn't get a lot of the same publicity. Some guys, I can't remember who mentioned it on the show here, but Sky Moore is one of those guys that has all the talent in the world. He is a phenomenal wide receiver. And honestly, I think it's just because there's so many different types of receivers in this draft, he's kind of getting pushed down a little bit. But the question I want to pose to everybody, because... It's the one that, I guess, came up the most when we're talking about 39. If we stick with offense here, what is more important? 
in this draft, let's say it doesn't even matter if it's 39 or 48. Let's say we come out of this draft, we analyze the entire thing. What's going to be more important? Getting Justin Fields one more option, wide receiver, tight end, whatever it's going to be, or getting someone else on that offensive line. What's the most important move here that the Bears could make? Anybody want to come in on this? I, you know, as we're talking through it, the more and more I think it's, I think it's the offensive line because even if you get the the, the skill position player, if the line is a mess again next year, it, it's all for for naught, you know. And I think they'll have other options again. You know, if you get a really good offensive lineman at, you know, in the second round, it's just much it's much harder to do that in the fifth round. Whereas receiver is evidenced by Mooney and others year after year. You see guys taking the fourth and fifth round of that position who come in and contribute. It's much harder to do that, particularly at tackle. At guard, you can do it maybe a little bit. So, um, And then you'd still have other options. You know, Maybe you, you go out, if you draft an offensive lineman, you want to spend a little money on Jarvis Landry on a short-term deal or something like that, or, or maybe there's going to be other uh, post-human cuts. But I think the opportunity, you really have to use the draft to, to pretty assuredly upgrade that offensive line position. It's just a lot harder to do, um, you know, picking a little bit in those mid to later rounds, in my opinion. Yeah, I apologize, George. Uh, what the Bears will do is trade number 39 with the Falcons so they can pick up a lot of picks to give them to Ryan Pace to, to move up for somebody. We'll fleece our old GM like we, like he's been taking. I think they've like taken, what, six or seven players that were on the team last year, Tony? At least. <laughs> that's, in, that's insane. Does anybody else want to come in on this issue about what you think is more important is grabbing that, I guess, wide receiver opposite Darnell Mooney or getting that extra, whether it be tackle or guard, to come in here and bolster that offensive line? Um, the way, unfortunately, the way that uh, we've seen the, the Bengals be successful last year kind of showed me, I'm not going to say you don't need an offensive line, but I'm saying that Jamar Chase pickup they did get really, if without him, they wouldn't be, in the, they wouldn't have went to the Super Bowl. They wouldn't have the success that they did have. And I understand, um, I don't know if you guys seen the the meme on Twitter and it's like the, the, the guy uh, blocking and the Jamar Chase across the field. And it's like, which one do you want? Do you want someone that's going to block or anybody that can catch that wide open pass? So uh, I think I'm going to side with picking a lineman, though, just because we got to keep our guy upright straight and we got to we got to make sure we keep him protected because when given time, we know what he can do, and he is actually one of the best uh, deep ball passers in the league already. So I think giving him some time is going to be pretty deadly. Yeah, I, I agree. And Tony, I guess the one thing that I would say here, and we've spoken a little bit about it, but even though the Bears have limited draft capital, I think where they have those higher picks in, in the draft, like we talked about round two, even the pick that they got in 48, it's a pretty good pick to be having in, in the second round to where if the draft board falls the way of even teams that may be around the Bears, that you could potentially move down twice, still get a guy that's pretty high on your, on your draft board, recoup a couple of picks and really do what Ryan Poles has said that he wants to do and build through the draft. You can't build through the draft with just five or six selections you need to be doing it with like seven eight nine guys because as we say all the time about half of your draft picks don't make it so you have yeah. to kind of get lucky here like we look at this second round and like most likely what's going to happen is that 
maybe one of these guys turns into a really good player and one is okay. The last time we had two second round picks, we selected Cole Komet with the first one and then selected Jalen Johnson. Now, I think anybody looking at that again would probably say Jalen Johnson would have been my first guy that I would have selected there. And then after that, I may have been Cole Komet. So you have to be careful here. And sometimes if you do trade down, I think sometimes that can be the best option going forward because he has to look at what's what's best moving forward for the Bears. Is there someone here that's completely worth it? We did this when we did our mock last time, Tony. We were like, is it worth trading down to get extra picks in those middle rounds? Or is there just somebody there that you just know is going to be that long-term starter that you just can't afford to trade down? Because look, the Bears are probably going to have options at 39. That's the area where the Bears traded up to get Tevin Jenkins last year. And then you saw a lot of other trades kind of going down as well around that area. So the Bears will have offers. So they will have to decide when it comes to pick 39, is there someone on that list where it was their number one guy on the board? Because the guys that are obvious first-round picks, they'll have on their draft board but most likely won't be part of their strategy or their true kind of analysis kind of going into it because they're going to expect them to be gone, right? So let's say they're projecting their second round and who they think is available and their number one guy is going to be there. They have to decide if we get an if we get an offer that maybe we get an extra third or we get an extra fourth rounder, can we get somebody there that we'd be happy with potentially losing, whether it be a tackle, let's say – or an offensive lineman, let's say Kenyon Green's there and for the sake of it, George Pickens is there at 39 and somebody offers you like a third or fourth round pick and obviously their second as well. Is that worth moving down? If that was the scenario that was there, would you want the Bears to move down and recoup the picks or just select the prospect that you believe is kind of the best guy that's available? Listen, you've got to, it all depends on what your what your board is set up like. So, you know, these the guys in the draft room will have an idea of the of who they want, you know, the type of players they want, and whether or not they have as much conviction in a guy is uh, is 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 would be sufficient enough to draft them there and then, as opposed to knocking back the offer. I mean, if we look at the offer that we got last, uh, the, what we offered last year to trade up to thirty nine, uh, I think we traded Carolina from the 52nd pick and we gave up a third and a sixth um, and we got a fifth back um, to, to trade up. So you're kind of looking, you know, if you're going to be trading back, say 10 to 12 spots, it's going to be something in that area that you're going to pick up. So you got to think, well, is you know, a third round and a sixth rounder versus if I've got a guy on my board right now that I'm completely um, sure that, you know, I want, I've, I've done my homework on this guy, I've met him, seen him play he's got the potential that's a difficult question to ask but the other thing i would say as well is we expect a lot from these second round guys so you know obviously you look at the the way that the bears have drafted over the last couple of years you know in 2019 we didn't have a first or a second rounder and when and david montgomery was the first pick in the third round and then the expectations on david montgomery were you're the first pick so you need yeah. to go out there and play like effectively like a first round pick and it was the same when we picked up Cole Komet and we picked up um Jalen Johnson the expectation were you're the top two guys in this draft you need to go out there and perform like the top two draft picks for our team so the same thing is going to happen this year you're going to pick you're going to have two second rounders or maybe you'll 
maybe you'll trade back. I don't know. But if you stick in the second round with your two first picks, that's two guys who are not first round caliber guys for the most part, probably, unless someone drops. And I think you you mentioned it earlier on, Kieran, the, the quarterback situation will be interesting there because um, that might push some guys down. But um, so again, you're looking at a situation there where these guys are not going in the first round for a reason. So do you want to put all your eggs in one basket and say, I'm going to just say, you know, forget those three picks you're offering me. I'm just going to go and select the second round guy and expect that first round productivity from him. You know, I think it's an interesting conversation to have because, again, as I say, people do expect a lot from these guys that are taken in the second, the third round, when really um, they're the reasons why these guys are taken in the second and third round is they have things that need fixed or things that are not 100% there just yet. So it could be a longer-term goal. Look at Cole Komet. He's a tight end. Tight ends notoriously do not play well in the first first couple of years. You know, it takes, it takes a while to adapt to everything that's going on. So, you know, you could arguably say that this is the year where your investment in Cole Komet might pay off a bit more. You might see more production from him. You might see him... You know, taking that extra step, getting his hand on 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 extra balls that he's dropped last season, all those kind of things. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's a difficult one. It really depends on who's available. Um, I've got guys I like, but at the end of the day, I, I'm not a GM and I'm not an expert the same way these scouts are. So you know, they they they'll have done their homework, their analysis, and they'll know exactly what they're after. Um, but you know, again, you're trading away either you're taking your guy or you're getting some lottery tickets. And maybe if you trade down, you don't get anybody that you want later on. And then you're stuck in a situation where you haven't got enough quality from your draft. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Mike, I want to bring you in. Um, kind of the same point as, let's say, you mentioned kind of bringing in, you said Roger McCreary, for example. Let's say he's the number one guy on your board, gets a 39, but then let's say it's the same offer that was that the Bears gave up last year, where they gave up, obviously, swap of second round picks. You're giving up your third rounder and a sixth rounder and you were given back one of those fifth rounders. Would you be willing to make that trade or would you prefer just to take the guy that you believe is the best guy on your board kind of going into the draft that you're projecting to be there? That, uh, that's see, that's why I'm not a, a GM. Cause that, that would be tough. Cause like that's, that's talent. So if I trade back, it's a 50, 50 chance that I may get a guy that I know for sure would be, a top talent so i don't know it depends on how the draft fall for me right now i believe mercury is talent so i will stick to my guns and i would you know i would take him just because we do we did we did sign table on young but he he played all games last year but he coming out he had two injuries in his career so if i can lock in a number two cb with mercury then i'm taking it i'm taking him yeah, it's it's a fair question, I guess. When we when we look at this, that there's a lot of players there that you have to weigh up whether a trade is worth it to where you can accept maybe a talent that might be further down your list, and maybe you just like a lot of guys. Like the one thing I would say about wide receiver is, and I know people are going to freak out if the Bears don't select a wide receiver in round two, but there's a lot of guys out there that fit the profile that this team are looking for. There's a lot of athletic, to be fair, when we talk about Christian Watson, he's an athletic freak that 
he's a good player, but hasn't been able to prove it at the highest level. So when I was doing, I was, look, we were planning on doing a big at wide receiver analysis show. We started off, then what ended up happening was Khalil Mack gets traded halfway through the show, <laughs> right? So that that one went completely off. I watched pretty much every game I could see of Christian Watson, and the biggest thing I have to take away from him is. He's the biggest boomer bust prospect in this draft for wide receivers because you see the athletic profile and you really, really like it. But then you also have to remember, well, who's it coming against? Because a lot of the big plays that he made, he had about 20 yards of separation where there was nobody even close to him. You see, what I do like about him is that he was used in many different ways. And that's where you can see it would fit into the offense. But again, you have to come back to the competition. I think of the top kind of 12 to 13 wide receivers, he had the highest drop rate amongst them. Now he improved it over time, but still it's pretty high compared to the rest of the guys. When we're talking about George Pickens, I think for, as an example, it was like something like maybe four to 5% while Christian Watson was, I think it was up to 12 or 13% of the drop rate. So again, I'd have to double check those, but again, there's options further down the list. There's going to be guys in that kind of fourth, fifth, sixth round that did, maybe didn't get the opportunity to have the athletic profile that you can bring in. Like if we were, I, I said this on the last show, Tony, if we had to redraft a couple of years ago, there's no way in hell Darnell Mooney's a fifth round pick. So no. like there's way, there's things that are going to happen in that way. Like I keep mentioning, one of the guys because he didn't get a chance at Cal, but then there's the Mississippi State and Mackay Polk. Just if you haven't seen him, have a look because he may not be the absolute burner, but he goes and he makes plays. And he's going to be one that you can look at a little bit further along. Um, I know George in, in the comments is kind of going away at Samori Torre. Uh, I know that he was brought in uh, for a visit with with the Bears as well. I think they worked them out. The one thing I would say is Ty Tolbert for the Bears, that wide receiver coach, he is the hardest working man I've seen <laughs> I've seen for the Bears. Every he's everywhere. Time, he's he's absolutely <laughs> fucking everywhere. Every time I see there's like I'm watching like a bit of a pro day, I'm like, hold on, that's the wide receiver coach. He's he's everywhere. Even with Alex Pierce, he's the one being the quarterback throwing the ball to. I'm like, this, this guy knows how to work. And look, the one thing that you can say about him is he makes wide receivers better. So the one thing that I would say is there's a there's a lot of options here. Don't get too disheartened if Pickens isn't selected or if he gets selected in the first round. Don't get too pissed off if Christian Watson him is gone or maybe if the Bears don't select one in the second round. Because the one thing that you'll see is there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of kind of the athletic profile fits to what the Bears are going to be looking for. And the one thing that you have to remember is that Ryan Pauls has said before he likes those guys that kind of overcame a little bit of, of adversity. So look for those type of players in the draft as well, because he will target one or two of them. Look, I think I think that's as much as we'll talk about in relation to the draft before we kind of come to our last topic of it. And I brought this one in mainly because Tony's story caused a little bit of a fuss. And we kind of had a little bit of a conversation about this in their own group chat afterwards, and it wasn't really in relation to a Emmett to an Ohio State or no, sorry, Iowa State running back. Uh, we were talking about some of the possible guys that might end up leaving the Bears, or if there's a potential. So 
Our second debate of today, and I'll give you guys like a little bit of a chance to think about it, is which player should the Bears trade in 2022? So there's a lot of potential out there. Tony did a really interesting story about David Montgomery and whether the Bears, whether it be in the Bears' best interest to trade him this year. Again, I think it was more with the foresight of knowing that he's coming into the last year of a deal. Running back, you see kind of Khalil Herbert coming in, having a bit of success. Do you want to extend a running back kind of further on into the future? Um, I guess another another part that you could think of is, is there anybody else on this team that may be getting traded in this year? It's hard for players like Eddie Jackson just because of the amount of money that they're on. Um, again, Robert Quinn is a difficult one. But you can say whether it be in the offseason, you could even use it as we get closer to the trade deadline during the season as well so tony but so everybody gets a chance to think here i'm gonna let you go first who do you want to see traded from this bears roster in 2022 i mean there's there's some obvious candidates nick Foles is the first guy that you think of as as a guy that you'd probably want to get rid of um especially now that we've brought in um a much more suitable backup um to, to to go behind fields so yeah i mean obviously Foles is is one of those guys where like, what would you trade them for and could you find a trade partner and i would say absolutely you could find a trade partner um people are always looking for at least a backup qb um but there are a lot of teams out there with qbs who are, are you know they're kind of on the on the 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 border of being starters kind of thing so you know i would i would trade away nick Foles just for the sake of get him off the team getting them getting that couple of or a few million dollars worth of cap space back um which can be potentially invested very wisely in maybe two or three other players we've seen how little we paid for uh Tavon young um i thought that that uh, contract that polls got him on was phenomenal for for the return you're going to get for a starting nickel uh, corner so you know um it would make sense and i would get i would you know i would trade them for a seventh rounder in 2025 do you know what i mean just just go you know I mean, there's no need for him to be on the team anymore really to be honest with you but just uh just very quickly to kind of cycle back to the david montgomery thing just i don't know if any of you guys read the article or, or whatever but the point i was trying to make was that um to build a successful team and to build a successful franchise for years to come. For me personally, re-signing a uh, running back to a multi-term, uh, sorry, multi-year uh, big money contract doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, notoriously running backs decline very quickly. Um, you know, if you're bringing a guy in in uh, the draft, um, absolutely, you've got him there for four years and he's gonna, <laughs> but these guys take a lot of hits, you know? Um, you're going to you look at the top eight running backs in the league just now, and the average between 12 and 16, 17 million dollars per year. For me personally, regardless of the fact that we've got a shit ton of money to pay, play with next year, I don't think investing that much money in David Montgomery makes sense. And people can say, well, maybe he'll take less, but he won't because he's playing really well. He want to get paid like one of the top guys as well. Um, and for me personally, he's a running back. You can replace running backs on a yearly basis in the draft. We've seen where we've picked up running backs over the last few years in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, and they've all been very, very. Uh, there's no hate, by the <laughs> way. There's no, no. I'm sorry, no, but there's no hate. I am a big fan of David Montgomery, and I, I think he's a great player. 
But in terms of building your team, for me, I think you, you need to look in a different direction. But anyway, so David Montgomery is an option. I wouldn't say I would trade him for nothing. It would have to be something decent. Um, but in terms of someone I would get rid of, Nick Foles has got to be the prime candidate. Very good. I'm going to kind of mess things up here. I'm going to go complete backwards. Curtis, I'm coming to you first. I'm going to keep you on your toes. So who would you trade in 2022? All right. I definitely think we should do the best and like the most research. And I don't know what has to happen, but Robert Quinn has to go this season. He has to go this season. And then he has a really nasty contract. I think he's getting like 12 million this year, 14 million, 2024, 13 million, 2025. And he, we can try to sell him off to, he broke our sack record and all that. But I just feel like uh, it's a, it's a, it's a ticking time bomb. And I just feel like he's not going to have that kind of season again. And his trade value for next year or the year after that is just going to be going down. And I feel like we have guys on our roster that I think we don't really speak about that much. Um, uh, I like I like Gibson a lot, honestly, and I think we have we have we have good pieces on our line, and even bringing in uh, Muhammad and um, Tonga, I think we I think we'd be okay if we were to trade him away. Maybe grab um, I don't know a second. I don't I don't I don't really know what he's going for in here, but I think that trading Robert Quinn would probably be the best thing we could do. But like I said, that contract is not fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Marcus, I'm gonna to come to you next. Keep like I said, I'm gonna keep you guys on your toes a little bit here. Who would you trade in 2022? Do you agree with Curtis with Robert Quinn or are you gonna go in a different direction? It, you cut out for a second. Were you asking me? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, Marcus. okay. Yeah, so you know, to follow up with Curtis said about Robert Quinn, you know, I think back to um polls, I think made a statement or a comment maybe a week or two ago that uh, when asked about uh, if they've considered trading Quinn, he said that it hasn't come up. You know, they haven't discussed it. I think that's very telling. So for whatever reason, they want to keep him. And and that's just what it looks like to me. I know 12, 14 million is a lot of money, but I mean, hey, if he does get semi-good production compared to what he had last year, you know, that 12 to 14 million could be worth it depending on how far down the line you think you are from having a team that can compete. We all know that it's not next year. Um, but do they feel like it's in a relatively, you know, soon enough time frame to where having him on the team is, is worth it? But, you know, yeah, if you were going to trade Quinn, it would have to be this year. But I'd also think you'd have to be doing it before the draft in order to make it worth it. So I think that that ship has sailed. I don't think that's something that they intend to do. Um, so who would it be? And this pains me to say because I'm a Montgomery fan. I mean, I like the guy. I like everything he represents for the team. I do. Um, you know, he's a, he's a player that I enjoy just showing my kids, you know, his attitude and, and his effort. Um, but, uh, but he's, he's the only guy that makes sense to me aside from Foles, I'd give Foles away for, you know, lunch money. So that wouldn't even, it's, that's not even worth, worth thinking twice about. So, um, uh, Montgomery though, you know, Khalil Herbert, I, I like the guy, you know, I think he's, he's a really good player and he, and he has only more to show. And so, you know, knowing that you can have him step in right away, what do you get from Montgomery in return? You know, I, I don't know. It's got to be something, like Tony said, it's probably, I, I don't know what it is, but I know that uh, you probably would get something good in return for him. And so he probably would have to be the guy, unfortunately, as much as it pains me to say. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with Foles. I would like to trade Foles for a couple of uh, 
a couple of boxes of Pringles for Byron Pringle, really, <laughs> at, the, at the moment in time. But look, Matt, you're up next. Do you agree with the with the guys, or is there anybody else that you're you're thinking of that you'd like to see traded away from the Bears? No, I I tend to agree with uh, Marcus. Um, you know, with respect to Montgomery, great player, but it, it, I would also weigh in as far as what they'll get back for him. A guy on a rookie deal, he's good. I mean, not you know generational talent maybe get a fourth maybe get a fifth i'm not sure and what do we got for jordan howard a sixth i think a few years back granted i think montgomery's a more dynamic player than howard was and brings a pass catching dynamic um and somebody brought up herbert i mean is herbert a better player than montgomery no but he might be a better fit for the outside zone scheme than montgomery is and let's face it i mean we you know the bears have two fives i think this year you could probably get a very interesting guy there and then the Bears are also, I think this you know, is kind of a broader discussion, but then UDFA market, just by the sheer number of roster spots that they're going to have open, they're going to have to bring a lot of those guys in. And I have to think on a relative basis, they're going to be an attractive destination for UDFAs because guys know they're going to have a real opportunity on this roster to not only make it, but get appreciable playing time. So I would think they'll have their pick of the litter um, for running backs there and then can maybe take one in the fifth round and just get an extra pick. I, I just can't see them. Even if Montgomery has a great year, um, which is the best case scenario, what do you do then? You have to, you know, you have to give him a bag and free agency. I just don't see them doing that. That just everything I've seen from polls does not indicate that that would be part of his plan. So I might as well, you know, cut bait now from my perspective. Okay, Chris, we're gonna go to you next. Do you do you agree with some of the guys, or do you have a different name that you want to bring up? No, I, I don't have a different name. I think Montgomery's the only one that they could get something uh, dynamic in terms of a return. Uh, I'm all for trading foals as well. Uh, I like the I like Tony's idea of the seventh rounder in 2025. I would be thrilled <laughs> uh, if that could could happen. But yeah, Montgomery, he's 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 the only one that I think could make another team say, "Oh yeah, that's a a guy we need. That's a piece we need to." Uh, um, you know, to push us to that next level, but man, running backs like him, when they, they hit a wall, you know, after four, maybe five years. So, um, I think that could work against a trade for Montgomery too, because teams could be saying, well, look how, look the way he runs. He's so physical. We're not going to give you, um, much in return. So I, I don't know. I, I think theoretically Montgomery is the only one you could get something interesting for, but even then, I'm not so sure how much it could be. So, uh, and no, I don't want to sign him to a longer contract because it's not a running league; it's a passing league. And uh, like uh, Matt said, Herbert is maybe uh, uh, a better fit for what the offense would be going forward. Yeah, I, I guess that's when we talk about this. A lot of the similar names are going to come up because when you don't have a lot of blue chip players, and that—that's what I—it was one of the points I made that. Ryan Pace put this team in a pretty crappy situation to the point of where when you evaluate even the New York Giants, they had more tradable assets than the Bears did. Hence the reason you've only seen Khalil Mack go so far. Um, Mark, you're up next. Who would you like to see the Bears trade away in 2022? So it's hard to get more creative name-wise because of where the roster is, like he said. So let me frame it with sort of the logic behind it that I would approach it with. Number one is, is the player going to be on the Bears when they're championship contenders again at a reasonable contract? Number two, 
do we have an in-house replacement? Then number three, does he have any value in the rest of the league? And that brings me back to Montgomery as well, because look at Dallas and all the things they've had to do since they paid Elliott. I'm just, I can't do it. I love watching him play. I love how he runs. I know trading him makes the 2022 bears worse, even though Herbert can fill in pretty well, but this is just not the right investment based on positional value in the league. And the biggest problem I had with Ryan pace was his resource allocation, right? All the money on the defense, spending bad money on Dalton, spending bad money on Graham. If David Montgomery wants a max type of deal, which he should because he's only going to get one contract like that. I, I'm not doing it. So I guess I'm with Tony's original logic there. Robert Quinn is interesting because the guaranteed money ends soon. So you can get out of that deal and someone might take it on for that reason. But what's he worth at his age? I don't know. Could you get a third or a fourth for him because of the premium position? I'd be interested in that too. Okay. Mike, finally up with you. Do you agree or do you have a different name for, for us coming in here or are you going to continue on with Tony Slander of David Montgomery? Oh, <laughs> I, I agree with mostly the guys, but uh, I, I do love David Montgomery. Uh, me personally, I, I wouldn't trade him. Uh, I believe you can probably negotiate him to a cheaper contract because every year he, he stay healthy to get big time money. So. I believe, and who who would trade for a running back right now? Then you have to pay that running back as well. So it's like it's, I don't know who would trade for Montgomery, then pay him, and we're not going to pay him. So I believe we can negotiate for like a cheaper deal, maybe. And plus, I feel like he's the heart and soul of the offense, one of our leaders, uh, great guy. So yeah. But Mike, uh, therein lies the problem, right? You mentioned it yourself. How much time did David Montgomery miss? Right, and he's only in his rookie contract at the minute. That's only going to get worse, you know. That just that's just the situation with running backs. And for me, just dedicating that much money to a player that you can't look at Tariq Cohen now. Fair enough, he got injured in a, a kick return, right? So it's a different situation. But even still, he's a running back. He's taken a battering over the years. It's just wear and tear. You know, it, these things kind of add up. Um, so, you know, I totally get what you're saying. I know there's guys in the chat saying that there's no chance that anyone would trade for him, and I get that, but there is a situation where there's contenders who might want to just push themselves over the line. There's idiot franchises like the Jacksonville Jaguars who will trade Falcons. you, Atlanta Falcons, who <laughs> will make, you know, crazy trades. Um, you know, so there's this, and obviously extend them as well because there's teams out there that pay running backs, and you notice those teams very rarely have any success. Um, so, you know, there's there is ways to do it. I get that the return on him is not going to be huge. You're not going to get a second rounder. It's not going to happen. I think the best you could hope for would be a third, a couple of fourths maybe, a fourth and a fifth, a fifth, something like that. I don't know. But then you've got to look at the whole thing and say, well, do you want an extra couple of lottery tickets in the draft this year versus having a guy on your team who you're probably not going to sign again next year we're not going to win anything significant this year. So what what have you really lost by letting him go? Um, and just one more quick thing on this is the um, looking at, we're talking about Ryan Poles' history. I talked about this on the show the other day. The one thing you can look at is the Kansas City Chiefs and how they've treated running backs. Now, admittedly, there's a slightly different offensive scheme there. However, 
they haven't re-signed any running backs to any long-term deals uh, outside of Jamal Charles. And Jamal Charles was a completely different type of player to David Montgomery. Um, so you kind of look at it and think, well, based on the history and the way that Poles has been brought up, the likelihood is he probably won't re-sign Montgomery a multi-year deal anyway. Um, and Montgomery is not going to take a cheap deal. He's going to go want to get paid like the top guys. I get your point, Mike. You know, maybe maybe they could get a cheap deal, but I just don't see it happening. Um, I don't I don't think he'll be traded, but I just think it's one of those guys that if someone came to the Bears and said we're interested, I think they should definitely listen. Just listen and see what it is and go from there. Yeah, look, I, I want to put in my kind of two cents here. I don't think it's worth trading David Montgomery personally because I don't think you're going to get draft capital that's going to be able to adequately, I guess, replace what he gives you this year. Would I extend him? Look, there's, there's been people in the chat saying, like, for example, George in the chat mentioned that $5 million per year isn't too much for your top running back. There's no way in hell that David Montgomery and his agent is going to accept a deal worth $5 million a year. He's going to get more. He's going to get want to get paid more. So that's the biggest question. You have to weigh this up. I have made the point, though, where I do see an avenue of where the Bears could extend him. And it's not so much about extending a running back. It's more of if the Bears go ahead next year and trade someone like Robert Quinn, who are they spending the money on? Right, like there's only a certain amount of players that are going to be able to get in free agency. They've all this cap space, so at some point in time, you still have three years left until Justin Fields' rookie deal is up. There's definitely the potential there to where Devin Montgomery could be one of those guys that you extend. We've mentioned he's one of those culture guys in the locker room. He is one of those guys that fits everything together. So I really, really like Devin Montgomery, but you also have to be real on this stuff that. It is a bit of a risk reward when you go and pay running backs. Like you could you could get lucky and you can get like you see the Titans if they pay Derrick Henry. He missed a couple of games this year, but he's a, a phenomenal player. You see that Carolina where they've paid Christian McCaffrey. He was out for twice last year during the season. So the problem that I have in paying running backs isn't that you want to denounce the ability of the guy or the ability of David Montgomery. But the problem is, other than the quarterback, they're the players that hold the ball the most amount of time in the game. So they have more instances of possibly getting injured. It's the reason we see guys at the running back position that maybe for years look really good, and then one or two injuries, and that's that done. And you see a big drop-off. And, and that's, the, that's the problem. And look, right now we don't know, because we have this new system that's going to be put into place. We actually need to see what David Montgomery is going to look like in it. We can project what what he's going to look like. I think he's going to look pretty good in it. I think he's going to be one of those guys that it comes to the end of the season and every single fan on Twitter is going to be asking for him to get an extension because maybe he has a really productive year. Um, If you improve that offensive line, if you get a couple more weapons in there, maybe he looks even better because he's only been in a naggy offense, right? And we all complained about that for every single year. So it could it could depend on what he looks like. I've always said I'm not a big fan of overpaying running backs because at the end of the day, you can find them. If you can improve that offensive line, you can get a guy to where you're not paying them that much and improve them. But that's not saying that Devin Montgomery is not a very productive player, right? So that's why I think is 
is an important, I guess, context when it comes to this point. I don't think you're going to be able to. I don't think you're going to be able to trade him, get good amount of value. When you're extending him, it comes down to two to two points, right? First thing, like I said, how much are you going to pay him? Like, there's there's going to be people and like I've seen it in the chat, people are saying pay him like the money that you're giving three tone. Like I said, he's not going to accept that because he sees himself as one of the best running backs in the league. He's not going to be able to accept that. He's going to get more money than that on the open market because, like we said, there's about five or six teams that currently project at over 120 million in cap space next year. They're going to be able to spend that money. So there's that. There's other people that have mentioned in the chat as well that the Green Bay Packers just signed their running back to a new deal and look how it's working out for them. And the one thing I would say is they've only recently done that. Let's let's hold off and let's wait a, maybe a year or two and see how it works out. Normally over the long run, the teams that do pay running backs a lot of money in that second contract, they tend to not really work out at the end of that contract. We've seen a couple of guys there. Again, that doesn't mean – and look, this is a point I want to bring up Hold on, um, that Ryan brings up. At the end of the day, why is David Montgomery gonna take a hometown discount? He's not. He has the only thing that bring that makes him kind of that has like a link to Chicago is that he has been drafted by us. He wasn't drafted by the current GM. He like at the end of the day, running backs have one opportunity to get paid, and it's after their rookie deal. He would be stupid to go and take a hometown discount. I said it on our last show, Tony, that. I personally wouldn't be paying 10 plus million a year for a running back per season. But David Montgomery should go and try and get that. Whether that be with the Bears or with somebody else, I think he's a phenomenal player. If the Bears don't want to offer him whatever it is, 10 million per per year, he shouldn't take a hometown discount. And I'm the biggest Bears fan you know, and he he shouldn't do it. He should go and get as much money as he possibly can because he has one opportunity to do that. I think he's an excellent guy. Like you said, this kid has just wanted to win. Like the problem that we have is this team's not going to be ready to win. He needs, if he's going to do it, he needs to go get money. If he's going to take a discount to go somewhere, he needs to go take a discount to a place where he can actually win a Super Bowl. And that's what I think for him. I think he's an excellent player. He's probably one of the best players on our team. We have to be a little bit more realistic when it comes to this stuff. I wouldn't trade him this year, but I also wouldn't extend him for the money I believe he's going to be looking for. Um, does anybody else have any other thoughts on David Montgomery as we kind of go through this? Uh, I kind of did, but you kind of persuade me into the way of maybe it's be okay to trade him, so I probably just going to... You, per- you persuade me back, Mike. Go do it. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I was just thinking like... uh like the lead running back, like the Ezekiel, the Chaycon Barkley, the uh, the uh, what's the guy in, in Carolina? Um, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. None of them guys. I don't think you would trade for those guys. So I and those like with with the top running backs in the league. So for like David Montgomery, I feel like he's in the middle. So I don't. I I really believe that I don't think he would get like the bag. I believe eight to ten million dollars is. It's something that I can see myself giving him just for what he brings in the locker room. You can't find that. It's hard to find somebody like that to bring in a locker room uh, to um, hold guys accountable. You, it's hard to find guys like that 
uh, through like the draft or on the free agent. So I feel like, yes, he may not, he may get continue to get hurt, but as far as like his character, it's hard to find a guy like that. I, and I don't think I could just give up David Montgomery. I, I believe I, I would, me, I would pay him eight to $10 million because I, I believe he brings more to my team other than just like as far as on the field. If that if that makes sense to you guys, yeah, I, 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 I totally I get that. that. I get that, but at the same time, we're, we're underselling that um, Ryan Poles is going to be able to bring in guys that are going to have character. Do you know what I mean? Like they're going to be they're going to be strong locker room guys. Let's look at Khalil Mack. He was a leader in the locker room, and he was traded. Um, now I don't know how you guys thought of what you guys thought about the trade or whether he should have been traded in the first place, but. You know, there's 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 a locker room locker room leader that's gone. Um but do you think the defense is gonna suffer too much from him not being there in the locker room? Or do you think that the injection of having a guy like Matt Eberflus in there is gonna is gonna motivate the guys? I mean, Montgomery's a great guy and he's got a great attitude, but you know, the guys that you're bringing in in free agency in the draft should also be guys who have great motivation and a great attitude, we shouldn't have to just say, well, everybody we're going to bring in is going to be terrible, but thank God David Montgomery's there to lead the locker room. You know, like, I just, I totally get your point, Mike, like, because I, I agree, he is a locker room leader, and he does bring a lot of things outside of the game, but I would hope that, that there are other guys in there that will do the same thing. I think the problem is in Chicago is we've been starved for good offensive players for a couple of years and we're kind of grasping onto this David Montgomery thing like it's it's the second coming of Walter Payton do you know what I mean like and uh and and I'm not taking anything away from David Montgomery because I think he's a great player I'm not my point I'm trying to make is that there's more positions and there's more players that are going to get brought in than just David Montgomery and also the way that the team is heading is not I don't think it's going to be a run heavy team forever you know, like everything's been built around Fields. Fields is going to be the main guy, you know, and that's the direction that the team's going to go in. But um, totally get your point. But I think I think polls have got to give polls um, time and at least a credit and chance enough to bring in guys that have locker room presence. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think that's that's definitely fair. But look, when it comes to this. I guess this point on David Montgomery, it's it's one of those that it's hard to be able to project until you get to see the season play out. Because again, we don't know what these guys value in the running back position. We don't know what they value in terms of a lot of these positions because this year we're going to see it's it's kind of one of those, like we said, evaluation or feedback on the players that are already here because there's only a certain amount of draft picks. Um, there's Again, the free agency, there's not loads that are coming in. Look, I just find it's when it comes to Bears' own free agents, and I saw this when it came to Allen Robinson as well, the amount of people that were saying, why, I guess, why should these guys take, or that these guys should take hometown discounts, or they always bring this up. An NFL career is so short, none of these guys should take a hometown discount. I don't care. Like, like when Justin Fields gets to the end of his rookie deal and if he performs the way we hope he shouldn't take a hometown discount he should try and get as much money as he possibly can because at the end of the day these careers are short now 
The one thing that I would say, and I don't know how possible it's, it is this year, because I really do need to go and look at the contract, whether it be on over the cap or on Spotrack, is Eddie Jackson is definitely a potential guy that I know some people in the chat have mentioned. His performances over the last number of years have gotten worse every single season. Now, the one thing that I would say is it does seem that this team want to see what he's going to be like under Eberflus. But if he shows the same sort of performances that he did, I don't care what you can get from him. You got to trade his ass next year because he's one that you can't afford to have a safety that's out there just whiffing on guys. Because you need to start making your tackles. You need to start making some damn plays. And he's going to be one that at some point in time, there has to be that real conversation is, is it time to get rid of him? Because he's on way too much money. His, I always like to bring up kind of the production per, I guess, per dollar that you're going to spend, right? And if it needs to match or be close to it. If you're not, that's why I always talk about with free agency is if you're going to overpay somebody in the first wave of free agency, I want to see them their their production get up a little bit more, right? It's and the, that's where I was saying with like Ogun Joby, right? The position fits. If he's healthy, he can make a he can make a big impact for the Bears. So I wasn't too disheartened when they were giving that money out. But like when I look at someone like Christian Kirk, there's no way in hell he's going to be able to produce close to the contract that he was just given. Because you have to be one of the best wide receivers in football to be able to do that. So that's why I talk about when we say some of these guys and their contracts, it, it comes to can they produce to close to that level or above that level. And that's where you see wave two, wave three, wave four, free agency is actually where GMs make a lot of their money because that's where you get guys that overproduce. And that's what you're looking for here. That's why these kind of two-year deals that you can sign at this point in the season, you often see guys that you bring them in for them to kind of prove it a little bit. And then they're able to kind of gain a little bit of an extension from there. But it's going to be interesting to see how this coaching staff and how this front office really view this roster. Because to a certain extent, it's hard to be able to trade a bunch of guys in one season. So we're going to see over the next kind of 12 to 24 months what this front office actually thinks of the roster. We assume what they think based on their actions, right? But we actually don't know. You'll It'll tell us a lot in the draft what they think of certain guys in this roster and whether they like them. Like We talk about guys that are going to have to get new deals. Roquan Smith is going to be one of them. We're going to talk about in whatever it is, three, four seasons, Justin Fields was probably going to have to get a new deal. So they have to be careful with some of these deals that they do up. They don't want to put themselves in that position that Ryan Pace put them in. At the end of the day, I think what you're going to see is you're going to learn a little bit more about Ryan Poles in the draft. The only thing I think we can definitively say is we know what he wants in his right guard because we saw what he looked for in Bates. So he's looking for something similar in that context. So that's all we really know about Ryan Poles going into whatever we are, three weeks out from the draft. Everybody else, we don't really know. We don't know if they're happy with their wide receiver position. Maybe they think Darnell Mooney is that guy. And maybe they think Byron Pringle is a good option. And then they believe in St. Brown or some of the other wide receivers for Anthony Seg Dasnusum. I don't believe it, but just, just putting it there, right? Like we don't know all those things, but the good thing about the draft and 
free agency after the draft and the UDFA market is it'll tell us what they think and what positions they think are not good enough yet. And we're going to see the same next year. We saw it earlier on this program that they've pushed a lot of their assets and they pushed a lot of this money to be able to spend it next year. So it's going to tell us a lot about what did they really think of this roster. There's been people that have said they didn't like the offensive line. They let James Daniels go for a reason. I said it. There's a lot of fans that hated that move and letting them go. I'm like, if they didn't even offer him a contract, it, it kind of shows what they thought of him. We're going to see that with other guys that maybe we like on the roster. Like We lo- we really like Devin Montgomery. We think he's a hard-nosed running back. He's like the soul of the offense a little bit. But what happens if it comes in, the coaching staff, they don't like his style, or they want a different style of running back, or the front office prefer a different type of guy. Same thing for kind of the offensive line. Eberflus obviously was happy enough to let um, Khalil Mack go. So we all love him, but at the end of the day, the people that are getting paid to evaluate this roster see it differently. And I think that's a really important, I guess, position to go into. So look, it's it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks here because we're going to learn a lot about this team. We're going to learn a, bit, a lot about the new front office that we have here, what they think about this team. And the one thing I would say is, you have to try and get rid of some of the biases of players that were selected prior to now. I think the only two players that are really safe going forward are probably Roquan Smith and Justin Fields. Because at the end of the day, I don't think Ryan Pauls takes this job if he doesn't believe in Justin Fields because you're kind of stuck. Because you're not going to just get rid of him because you don't have the picks to be able to do that. So I think it's going to be an interesting one going forward. But look, I want to thank all you guys for, for joining the show today. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. I've, I've enjoyed it. It's always good to be able to talk to a lot of the different fans. We, we recognize a, a bunch of you guys that are in comments. I want to thank all the guys that are in the comments at the moment. Some of those questions are really good. We really like the debate that's that's going on here as well. Um, Before we do go, I do want to mention that we put out a tweet. I can't remember. I think it was last week, Tony about anybody that is interested in potentially writing for our new website um we just send us a dm and we'll be sending you guys a, a message from there because again there's been a, a again like kind of like this show there's been a bunch of people that have reached out i think there's 40 plus people that have reached out that want to get involved so like we said we like hearing from all the fans mike mark chris matt marcus curtis Thank you for joining the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure having each and every one of you on talking bears and kind of getting to get different voices on the show. And that's what we want to, that's what we want to see. And that's why we want to do this show. There's going to be a lot more of these shows going forward. I think this month, the only kind of weekend where this isn't going to be happening is the draft weekend. So like I said, we will be reaching out to the people for the next show over the coming days again it'll probably be around the same time next weekend 4 p.m chicago time on a saturday so make sure you guys get involved um in the comments make sure if you want to be involved in these shows that you do dm us so i can add you onto that list look like we end every show every show all we can say is bear down bear down